Have you ever felt inadequate for a job or a task that you were faced with? Have you ever felt you had to battle against waves of negative thoughts when pressing into something you know God has given you to do? Now, perhaps a few of you can relate to that. I know I certainly can. A few weeks ago, I ran a, a breakout study called Fake It Till You Make It. And I think that, you know, in, in relation to those questions, that was, those are the questions I pitched as part of the blurb to see if people want to come and join me on that study as we sort of journeyed through some of these issues. I think a lot of us can relate to that. We feel like sometimes we're faking it in life, that we're just sort of muddling through, that we're not capable enough, that we've got these things that we need to do and they're bigger than ourselves and it's quite stressful. I know for me personally, I've really experienced that, particularly in the workplace. Um, workplace anxiety, fear of man, fear of getting it wrong. Um, that's been something that's been quite overwhelming at times. And I think, you know, you look at other people and you think they've got it all together. Um, and certainly in the context of, um, of the Bible, of the Christian history that we're, we're a part of, I think we often put others in the pedestal, particularly the heroes of the faith. So when we were doing this study, we, we took a look at some of these biblical characters that we would sort of laud as sort of heroes of the faith, the likes of Elijah, Moses, Gideon. And, and when you think of those names, you sort of immediately jump to the, the exploits, the, the kind of rooftop moments, the kind of mountaintop moments where, say, Elijah, you know, he stopped the rain, he raised the boy to life. That whole showdown with the prophets of Baal defeating 850 prophets versus just him. And apparently he outran a chariot. I think that's, that's something that's in scripture as well. So pretty superhuman stuff, pretty out, outrageous, outlandish stuff that seems totally out of reach for us. Moses, part of the Red Sea, met God face to face. Gideon defeated an army of 130,000 with 300 men. You know, we, those are the things we jump to immediately. But when you take a look beneath the surface, that these were these men who did incredible things, had a lot of character flaws and were very vulnerable. You know, you see with Elijah, after all these things had happened, after he defeated these prophets, there's a threat to his well-being and he just runs away. And he's, you know, in this position where I want to give up, I can't do it anymore, I want to die, I'm the only righteous one left. It's a real kind of crashing back down to earth. But I think a lot of us can relate to that, that vulnerability. Moses, you know, he was too afraid to speak. He didn't want to say anything. He had to actually have, you know, his brother speak on his behalf. And Gideon, you know, when God called him, he was hiding away in a cave. He was sort of the, the Midianites, this, this foreign army were invading the land. He was hiding away in a dark cave. And he's, he was talking about, I'm, I'm the least in my family and, and my family is the least in the tribe of Israel. And I'm the bottom rung on, on, on society. And I think it's interesting, isn't it? You see the exploits, but then when you drill to the, beneath the surface, these were very flawed. And, and I guess we can relate to a lot of the things that they felt and they, the th they feel like much more normal, ordinary characters. And I guess the conclusion from all that is that, in essence, God can use and does use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. So that was the conclusion we sort of drew from, from that study. And I think as I was drawing elements of that into preparing what I feel like God's given me to say today, and there's one real clear impression that, that God's left with me, and that's that God is calling us as a community to be bold. And I think we've heard that in some of the messages that have come through in the last few weeks. God wants to put a tiger in our tank. We're getting on the starting blocks that's about to come. And I think, you know, during lockdown, a few of us have redrawn, redrawn some of our lines. We've sort of set our boundaries. This is my comfort zone. This is where I operate from. This is where I'm happy. This is where I work. I feel like there's a sense of, at this time, you know, speaking to some in the community, there's a sense of there's something that we're being called towards. It's quite, could be quite intimidating. 
So I know speaking to some people who might have found themselves out of work in this community, and there's an opportunity maybe to press into a slightly different career direction that they've not been before. You know, that's quite frightening. That's out of their comfort zone. You know, I think in, in, we've been talking about supercharged friendships. You know, if we really want to live that out, we're going to have to face up to some difficult and challenging conversations. We're going to have to say some things that might risk us being rejected. You know, I think there's a sense that there are things that are ahead of us in our lives at the moment that feel beyond ourselves. If we were to say, am I the man for the job? And you hear the thing that we are called to do. It feels a stretch for where we currently are. What situations are you currently facing? Do they feel like they're within your comfort zone? I think there's sort of three things in considering what it means to step out and be bold. Three things for us to consider. In face of that, you know, there's intimidation that comes with that. I think the first thing we need to consider is God is big. Definitely obvious. But these things that feel big to us, this us stepping out into something new, it feels like way bigger than us. But when we think about it in the context of God, he threw the stars into the sky. You know, these things are not big for God. You know, you look at the biblical precedent of what has been achieved throughout the ages. This thing that might feel intimidating to you right now, it's not big to God. I think secondly, in the context of that, I am small. And the temptation can be to, I need to get to a certain level of capability. I need to buy my own strengths or to summon up the courage to step out and do this thing, even though it feels beyond myself. And I think we need to not fall into the trap of trying to make it about us. God is big. We are small. These things are big and intimidating for us. And that's a reality. But I think the third thing is God's word and God's power, like God's word over us, make us big. There was a word that God spoke over me a while back. I'm a lion and I have a roar. And what that means is I have a voice. I have something to say. I've got something to bring. When I heard that, it felt like it didn't fit. Like I'm, I'm the kind of person who likes to kind of keep in my shell. I don't like to rock the boat. I don't like to speak out. Out of turn, if there's a party line, I want to tow it. I'm not the person who's in the middle of the room shouting to everyone else. That's, that's not me. But God spoke this word. He said, I'm a lion. I have a roar. And so I think that those words that God speaks over us, they might not feel true. But there's a choice we can make to step into the deeper truth. And I think that's a responsibility that God's putting on us. And I think we, at this time, we need to recall and think back, what are the words that God has spoken over me? What are the promises? That might be words that God's spoken to you, but also looking at the Bible, looking at those examples. You know, Gideon, when he was called by the angel, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, when I just described the situation that Gideon found himself in, he was hidden away in a cave, he was hiding away from the enemy, he was the least in society. God called him a mighty warrior. Those two things seem totally mismatched. You know, mighty warrior, Gideon, big, small, significant, insignificant. But that was something that God called him to. And I think that's what we need to be drawing our mind to, is what are the promises? What are the things God has spoken to us? Because these Things we're calling God's calling us to step into can feel big and scary, but actually, when He empowers us, can, we can step into those. What does that mean? God's called us to be bold. He's given us things to do. We know He's big, we're small, but His words over us empower us. What do we do? We need to take action. We need to step into that thing. We need to be obedient. I need to let the roar come out. It's played out for me recently in a few ways. Um, I think in the context of church, having a voice and speaking out. Doing the breakout study, that's not something I would have normally volunteered myself for, but I felt like that was me being obedient, letting the, letting the voice come out. I didn't know what I was going to share like, when I volunteered for it, but being here today, like this isn't what I do, <laughs> like I've not done this before. This isn't something I would naturally volunteer for, but I think there's an obedience to saying, oh, God, you've given me a voice. If I need to let the roar come out, that means I need to put myself in a position where my voice can be heard. In the context of work, I was in the job for nine years, felt very comfortable. Recently, I felt like God told me to move into a new job. I was afraid of the unknown. 
but that's something I've stepped into. Has it been easy? No. I'm terrified every day. I've been struggling even this week, feeling like, what is the right choice? Am I really capable? Am I really up to the task? But I think it's about us stepping into it and God's going to meet us with our, with our anxieties. You know, friendships as well. I feel convicted recently about the supercharged friendships. I don't really like to rock the boat, like I said. I don't like to, you know, you might have a conversation with someone and there's just that awkward niggling question in the back of your mind. Am I bold enough to say that question? Am I bold enough to bring that challenge, to risk the friendship? And I think that's something that God is calling us to at this time in different ways. I think it can be the big life-changing, you know, career direction questions, but it can be the day-to-day stuff as well. Now, this is something that when I was preparing the breakout study and we were looking at, something, it's a vision that God gave me of chasing the enemy out of the camp. What does that mean? I think when we're wanting to walk into the thing that God has given us to do, there's real enemy intimidation and, op- and, and opposition. We can, we can be bombarded with negative thoughts, things that are saying, you're not good enough. This is bigger than you. You can't do it. And I think often in my mind, it feels like we're under siege in our minds. We're just sort of weathering the storm and these thoughts are coming and they're battering us and we're just feeling, you know, we just want to hunker down and just, we're just trying, to, just trying to stay afloat. Like the best we can almost hope for is just to kind of stave it off and just keep it going. And the impression that God gave me was a sort of flipping that around rather than being quite defensive and held in. What would it mean to chase the enemy out of the camp? If you're under siege, if you've got the army surrounding you, rather than to be defensive what about going on the front foot what about chasing after the enemy that's a total radical shift and god gave me that picture and i didn't have any impression at the time as to what that actually looked like and what that actually meant but that was something that we kind of explored when we were going through the study and i feel like god's unpacked that in more recent times to me what i did at the time was i looked at some biblical examples you know you look at the old testament the israelite army and there were three sort of instances where this very thing happened that the, the armies of God were under siege. They were entering battle. Not only did they defeat the enemy, but they pursued them. You also see it in Joshua chapter 10 and Joshua chapter 11, when the army's facing up against the Canaanites. In these three examples, I won't go into them now, but there were just sort of, sort of six key themes that emerged to me when I was looking at that in terms of how that plays out. So the first one was that there was real enemy intimidation. When, when the armies of God were facing up to these, these enemies, they were outnumbered multiple, multiple hundreds of thousands of times. You know, the, the Canaanite armies all got together. The, you know, this king spoke to this king and this being spoke to this king. Like literally 10 kingdoms combined turned up en masse against the Israelite army. Naturally speaking, they were really up against it and there was real intimidation, you know, and I think we can experience that as well. We, can, we, we experience real intimidation in the situations that we're facing when we feel like we're pressing into something God's given us to do. The second thing is that in, in all three examples, God gave the instruction, do not fear. I'm going to deliver them into your hand. There was a promise and a responsibility to believe that. It's, it's, it's difficult to really realise that and, and not be distracted by the fears of, of, of what might happen. But that was a promise that God gave. Do not fear. I'm going to deliver them into your hand. And then the responsibility is on us. The responsibility is on the Israelite army to turn up. They could have run away at that point. They could have said, we're not up for this. I, I, I can't face the situation. It's too big for me. But there, there was an obedience. You know, you look at these characters, they were flawed across the, all, all the way along. Gideon required reassurance at every single step. He kept going back to God. But ultimately, he stepped into the situation. He, he went to the battlefield, even with the 300 men. He actually, he actually turned up and took the first strike, attacked the enemy. And you see time and time again, you know, confusion of the enemy. God does what God can do. We turn up, but then God steps in and he does what he can do. 
you know, sending hailstones down on in Joshua chapter 10, I think it is, it's God sent hailstones. More people were killed by hailstones than were killed by the sword. You know, God does something that's bigger than just what we can do. And then the other thing that really stood out to me was the pursuit. That was the thing I was really interested in. What, what did that entail? What did it mean to pursue the enemy? Because it wasn't just about defeating the enemy in the situation, but there was a, you know, once they got the taste of blood, once they saw the enemy was on the run, they didn't just leave them to scatter. They went after them. And, and when you look at it, on the map, if you matching map and plot these things out, these distances that they were covering were like astronomical. So I actually, the, the chapter in Joshua 10, you know, they went from this place to this place to this place to this place. And if you map it out, that was about 56 miles they covered. Same again with Gideon. They pursued the enemy and the total distance covered. Talking about 50 odd miles. I mean, that's not something that you just do in, you know, in a day. That was a, a dogged pursuit. It was a when we're pursuing the enemy, when we're chasing after the enemy, it's a bit of an endurance race, I think. I think that's something that maybe God's calling us to. The final thing that, that I saw, and I haven't really concluded what this means, but it was something that kind of stood out to me, was they pursued the enemy. They, they, they didn't stop until they captured the kings. These kings who'd sort of assembled to get their, their armies together, they'd gone on the run. They actually didn't relent, and they didn't stop pursuing the enemy until they captured these kings and made a public spectacle of the fact that they captured the kings. And that was something that, that stood out to me at the time. So the final thing I want to touch on is, I guess, what does it mean practically for us? I think God's calling us to take what the enemy intended for harm and use it as a weapon. I think that's what it means. I think that's what it means practically to chase the enemy out of the camp, to be offensive, to be on the front foot. And I've got a practical example of that that I experienced just this other week when we gathered to pray for Miles. Our, our son, if you don't know, was born premature. We had a promise over us at that time that there'd be no smell of smoke. The things that he went through, the scars that he bore, wouldn't remain, that there would be, it would almost be like he hadn't gone through the experience. And the no smell of smoke, that's obviously a biblical reference to the Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego being in the fire. When they emerged from the fiery furnace, there was no smell of smoke on them. It was almost like it hadn't happened. And um, when we gathered to pray, Jamie very clearly led us in a prayer. You know, the, the current things that are still scars or remain from the experience are his throat, is damaged and his eyesight is, uh, is damaged as well. So the enemy is attacking his voice, he's attacking his vocal cords and his eyes. And what we did in that moment was like, the enemy wanted to harm him by removing his voice and removing his sight. And what we did is we prayed, God, give this man a voice. You've given this man a voice, a voice to, 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 to speak your word into the situation and give him supernatural sight. Heal him, yes, but give him supernatural sight. And that was an example, it was just incredible to see like, where the enemy intended to harm him, the very specific ways that the enemy tried to harm him, we were using as a weapon and saying, you're going to regret that you've ever stepped in because we're going to see the victory. That was what I wanted to share. I think just, I guess, just some questions for reflection. Where is God calling you to be bold? Where is he calling you to step out? What is the promise or what are the promises that God has spoken over you that might feel bigger than you are at the moment? What is the threat or the intimidation that comes from the enemy that would counter that? How could you turn that around and use it as a weapon?